My message today is going to be a continuation of what I'd been teaching on uh, to start out the year and um, took a break for a couple of weeks as Zach taught and then we talked about war last week. Um, so this message is based on the, uh, a series based on the book, The Other Half of Church, and we've been going through that. It's really connecting us to the Matthew 28 Great Commission from Yeshua and how our job as disciple makers requires us to form character, not just knowledge, as we're made into the image of Messiah. And so in this series that we've gone through, we've looked at how very little character development has been done in the recent history in the body of Messiah and how Yeshua, how he, he taught us that the way we change our character is through love first, and then obedience will follow. And we saw how it is the element of joyful relationship that truly fills our tanks and enables character transformation for us. We, we know that God's face is shining upon us. We can feel Him smiling upon us, as noted throughout Scripture, and that helps us to feel the joy. and helps us to feel that even physically in our bodies we can feel that. And that filling with joy then gives us emotional resilience. It helps us to recover from past hurts, from past traumas, and builds those paths back to God that we so desperately need. It enables us to endure suffering. To endure suffering. We're just talking about suffering that's going on in Ukraine right now. Just as Yeshua did, he endured suffering. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We have to look at that joy, that simcha. We look at that chesed. What was the definition of that? That deep, connecting, relational, attachment, hesed. Okay? We, we, those are the two missing ingredients to character growth in Messiah. They're crucial. And our attachment to Yeshua is what produces obedience in us. It changes our lives. But many congregations, many of us are dangerously low on chesed. And Yeshua warns us against this. I spoke about this when I, we were talking about the, the book of Revelation that we talked about a couple of weeks ago and how he warned them against losing their first love. It's a problem with people and with leadership alike. And I, and I ended my, final, my last message with you finally by saying that uh, we we're going to start focusing on understanding how we can build up Hesed in our congregation here at Remnant of Israel. And I mentioned that one way that we can start this is by finding someone else here and having more than just a shallow conversation with them before you left. And then to follow up with them during the week and, and pray with them and, and see how they're doing. And so that's one way that we can do it. Another way I mentioned was through our poorhouses. Um, but I mentioned that they're not a magic solution either. Uh, poorhouses are not. Just getting together to eat or just to build knowledge through Bible study that's good, but that does not automatically build hesed. No, we have to be intentional to build hesed in our relationships. And so, as we get into different ways to build hesed, and we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks, I want to start by reading some scripture today. So I've asked for a lot of different readers this morning. So I'm going to get a mic, and my first reader is from Luke chapter 6. So if that was you, I'm going to call you up here. I didn't write down who all my readers were, but... I do have readers. I feel like I'm missing some children. Aline and Naomi, two of my readers. 
They're my first two readers. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna skip them. Okay. First Corinthians eleven one. I I gave that to several kids here that are not here. I'm looking around. Okay. Ephesians 4. All right, Sarah, come on up. Zeke, why don't you get up here too, because you're next. All right. So Sarah's going to read for us from um, Ephesians chapter 4. She's going to read, you can read right here. There you go, there's Ephesians. Oh, it's a pretty short book, there you go. 20, starting verse 29 through Let no corrupting, where was I? Uh, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as. Sorry, it's on the top of my tongue. It's top of my tongue. It's, fits the occasion that is, it is may give grace to those who hear and, and do not. Give it, grieve the Holy, um, Holy Spirit of God, but whom who were, by whom you were sealed of the day of redemption. Is that? Redemption. Let the bitterness and worth and wrath and anger and clamor and Slender, be put away from you, and along with all malice, malice, okay, uh, malice, but kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgive, forgiving one another, as God, in, as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you. Very good. All right. Naomi's going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14 through 17. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, who will remind you of my way in life of life in Jesus Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. All right, Aline um, is going to read from Luke chapter 6.
and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Thank you. All right, Sam, you have First Corinthians, Corinthians 11.1, 1, and then Zeke, you have First Thessalonians. Okay. Or sorry, Philippians, yeah, my bad. Yep. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. There you go. You get the easy one. All right. Philippians three, seventeen through twenty one. Yes. Um. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and notice those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk who are enemies of the cross and Messiah. I have often told you about them, and now I am even weeping as I tell you. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame. They set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from there we eagerly wait for the Savior. Lord Yeshua the Messiah. He will transform this humble body of ours into the likeness of his glorious body through the power that enables him even to put all things in subjection to himself. Thank you. All right. Uh, I got some in Thessalonians. So if I told you to read from 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians, you can come on up here. Uh, Modesto, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. Or you had that one? And then Modesto, you had 2, 5 through 14. Is that? Okay. <coughs> And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of the severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia, <coughs> Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven from whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who restores us from the coming wrath. Thank you. All right, First Thessalonians 2, uh, 5 through 14. For as you know, Neither did we empty employ nah, neither did we employ flattering talk, nor did we put on a false front to mask greed, God is witness, nor did we seek human praise either from you or from others. As emissaries of the Messiah, we could have made our weight felt, but instead we were gentle, and we were when we were with you, like a mother feeding and caring for her children. We were so devoted to you that we were glad to share with you not only God's good news, but also our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, how we worked night and day not to burden on any of you while we were proclaiming God's good news to you. You are witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless our behavior was in the sight of you believers. For you know that we treated each of you as the way the Father treats his children. We encouraged you and comforted you and appealed to you to lead lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Another reason we regularly thank God is that when you heard the word of God from us, you received it 
not merely as human word, but as truly God's word, which is at work in you, believers. For brothers, you came to be imitators of God's congregations in Judah, and that are united with Messiah Yeshua, you suffered in the same things from your countrymen as they did from the Judeans. Thank you. And you have Second Thessalonians 3, Madison. And uh, the next ones, I have uh, a reader from First Timothy, a reader from Titus, and a reader from Hebrews, if you guys can come on up. Right there. Hold on. There go. Oh no, I'm gonna feel sick. Start right there. I need to wait more attention to these stuff. Okay. okay, this is scary. For yourselves, how. <laughs> it's scary. You're doing great. Okay. For yourselves know how ye thought to follow us, for we believe not ourselves distantly among you. Neither did we eat any man bread for thought. But, oh, this is hard to read. Rolled with labor and travel night and day, that we might not be discouraged to any of you, not because we have no, not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. Thank you, Madison. All right. Uh, first Timothy. Who did I say? Grab First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Is that you? No, I only had. Eric, come here. I'll do, I'm going to change. Hey, I, if I told you wrong, this is my bed. No. All right. I'm switching it up for you then because I told you wrong. I'll take the blame. First Timothy chapter 4. All right. Where are we at? First Timothy. Chapter 4, 11 through 16. These things commanded and teach, let no man despise thy youth, and be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is thee, which was given thee by prophecy with thy laying on the hands of thy presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing these things shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Thank you. All right, uh, Titus. You have, who do I give Titus to? Titus 2, 6 through 8. Similarly, urge the young men to be self-controlled, and in everything set them an example yourself by doing what is good. When you are teaching, 
Have integrity and be serious. Let everything you say be so wholesome that an opponent will be put to shame because he will have nothing bad to say about us. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, and then uh, I have readers for 1 Peter and two readers from 1 John. So if you have those, you can make your way up. So remember your leaders, those who spoke God's message to you. Reflect on the results of their way of life and imitate their trust. Yeshua the Messiah is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. First Peter chapter five, verse three. nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Thank you. First uh, John 1, 5. Now this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And the last one, First John. 316 By this we know love because he had laid, because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren Thank you David All right so I picked out all of those verses to be read based on a common theme that runs throughout all of them. And that theme is the idea of imitation. Okay? Imitation. And so when I talk about imitation, I'm not talking about like that, you know, that imitation vanilla that you see on the store, at, at the, on the shelf and the spice racks and stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like fake it till you make it, right? I'm talking about imitation of setting an example and of learning from others who set that example. And my thesis for us today is that an important part of building chesed in our community is our imitation of Messiah and of one another. Our important part of building chesed in our community is imitation. Imitation of Messiah and imitation of one another. Now, when I was a young kid, I remember playing the game of copycat. How many of you guys remember this? This is, this is not a, a good imitation game, right? This is an imitation game where one person is trying to annoy the heck out of another person by doing exactly what they, you know, mimicking exactly what they're doing, right? Saying exactly what they say, and they're just trying to get on their nerves, right? You've seen that game? I played that game when I was a kid. I've seen my kids play it. It never dies, okay? <laughs> That's right. Now, you fast forward to the next developmental stage of life, the teenage years, and you have another form of copycat. This is the one that manifests itself with copying clothing styles and music styles and behavior styles that those you want to be like, um, those you want to impress. You know, I remember feeling a sense of pressure to dress a certain way, uh, wear certain brands, wear my hair a certain way. And it wasn't that anyone was actually saying, Philip, you should do this, you should wear this, you should look like this. It was just like this 
you know, that self-imposed pressure, you just kind of put it on yourself. No one actually told me to do it, but I felt like I needed to do it. And that kind of behavior has been around for ages, uh, and it's still around today. You know, some of that copycat pressure uh, for doing ridiculous and sometimes dangerous things amongst teenagers, it's existed for every teenage generation, okay? So if you're 80, it was the same way when you were a teenager. You guys did stupid and dangerous things too, okay? It's because, you, and you copied one another. This is why, why parents say, like, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? Because that's what they did back then, because they didn't have TikTok, right? They, they didn't, they didn't uh, have TikTok to show them how to eat, you know, dishwasher pods and things like that. It just, it's teens. But it's not just teens, though. It's not. Adults, we imitate behavior too. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of things uh, for other people that we want to impress. Uh, you know, perhaps it's dressing a certain way or uh, in your workplace or maybe driving a certain type of vehicle that's common among your peers. It could be living in a certain type of a neighborhood. Um, sometimes it's even speaking a certain way. Whether it's actual words, how many times you've heard yourself saying the same words that you've been heard other people saying around you. Same phrases, maybe it's imitating their style or their tone. You know, recently, um, the uh, Louisiana State University football team hired away the football coach from Notre Dame, okay? Um, and their football coach came from Notre Dame, his name is Brian Kelly, and so he came down from, so I don't know if, you, if you know where Notre Dame is, it's in South Bend, Indiana, which is right on the border of Michigan, okay? So as far north in Indiana as you can go. And um, Louisiana State University is deep south, okay? Y'all, it's in deep south. And so he gets there for his introductory speech, and he puts on this ridiculous charade of a southern accent. I mean, it was obscene. Like, you'd never heard anything like it before. And in, but then you go and compare it to the way he was talking a week earlier in northern Indiana. Totally different. He was talking like a northern Indiana person would speak. Um, he was imitating those around him because he wanted to impress them. And it was, he got a lot of flack for it. I'll just say that. Social media didn't let that one die for quite a while. Um, you know, as adults, though, too, we, we realize that kids often imitate us, right? Kids, our kids imitate us. Um, there was a country music singer, oh, this was a long time ago, probably back in the 90s or so, Rodney Atkins. He sang a song titled Watching You. He was talking about his a son wanting to imitate all the things that his dad did, both good and bad. Uh, it was kind of a humorous song, but also touching in that way, uh, talking about the imitation. And the reality is that in every age, we imitate people. And a lot of times we imitate without even realizing it. And we often imitate those people that we spend the most time around. And it's not just that we imitate people, but at every age, people are imitating us as well. Well, aside from maybe the, brand, the, the newborn years, people are imitating us at just about every age. And we are an example of some kind, and we have an impact on those around us. We do. And we can, you know, we could go around and claim that we're no role model, you know, we're not a role model, but it's really, it's inevitable that we will be an example for other people. And the only thing that we have a choice in then is the kind of witness and impact that we provide. 
because we're going to be a role model. We're going to be an example for other people. And so understanding this should raise some questions inside of us, and that, those questions are, who do we want to imitate? Who do I want to imitate? And what do I want others to imitate in me? I know that we as parents, when we see our kids doing something, that we're like, oh gosh, <laughs> they're doing what I did. That's scary, right? And it, it kind of hits home then. What do we want others to imitate in us? We have to think about that. You know, sometimes though in our modern culture, um, we don't think about imitation as the main way that we form our character, our Messiah-like character. Um, you know, as I've said in the past here in our Western congregations, we mostly focus on teaching. We focus on um, worship through song. We have nice liturgies. And we're exhorted to follow Yeshua, and we, we do, but we're, we do that in a highly segregated environment, too. Um, you know, I mentioned ways that we're segregated. One of the many ways that we're segregated is between mature believers and new believers. Mature believers are segregated from new believers, and we do this primarily by organizing small groups and ministries by age, just like our kids are upstairs right now. Um, we have elementary school, middle school, high school, college, career, young adults, young marrieds, you know, singles, middle age, elderly, all separated into their own different ministries. And it creates communities where everybody's close to the same maturity, which can be fun, but it's also problematic when it comes to setting the right example towards allowing those Hesed relationships to pass Lador Vador from generation to generation, and those examples to pass, that teaching, that maturity to pass. You know, you're, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, another example would be, have you ever seen um, the old hospital birthing wards? And so there'd be like these rows and rows of like perfectly healthy babies that are just in these, in their own little, I don't know what, tiny little bed units, incubator, not even really incubators though, they're just the bed units, the bassinet, it's like a hospital bassinet thing, but they're in there and there may be a nurse or two kind of watching over them, but they don't do that anymore because they understand just how critical it is for the newborn baby to have that contact with mother and with father. And maybe that's a lesson we need to learn too in the body of Messiah. It's critical to have that contact. In the body of Messiah, we need to be joined together. God uses Holy Spirit-filled individuals to build and transform character in others. And that is you, and that is me. God puts the Holy Spirit in us, not just to transform us, but to use us to transform other people. And so when we segregate mature believers from newer believers, we're restricting the flow of sap. That flow of sap that delivers that transformation that Yeshua described in John 15 when he talked about abiding in the vine. And we're just cutting off the vine and saying, well, you guys, we'll plant you over there, and we'll plant you over there, and we'll give you a good teacher. Don't worry, you know. And it'll be fun. And as long as you have fun, then that's what's important. That's, that's kind of how that happens. When newer, newer believers don't get to observe how more mature believers act in different life situations, then imitation does not get its chance to work its magic. Okay? 
So subdividing communities by life stage, it prevents this from happening, this transmission of maturity. And when we think about our brains, our right brains, they operate in the realm of relationship, okay? Our relational experiences and our, our memories, they mold our character. And when we are around and we see a more mature person handling a difficult situation, that image gets processed in our brains, in our relational brain, and that right brain absorbs that image of what happened, of how that more mature person handled that situation, whatever situation it is, and it goes to work on our character. And all of this happens faster than we can even think about it. Because, you know, I, I'm sure you can think of some different examples um, of how a person might imitate a more mature believer. I remember a time when the leadership of this congregation was being attacked by some members within this congregation. And as a young leader in this congregation, I watched them very closely for their response, the older leaders for their response and how they would respond. And I saw them responding by humbling themselves and choosing not to defend themselves. And my brain made that connection, that connection that said, this is how I'm supposed to respond when someone acts and unfairly attacks me or accuses me as a leader in this congregation. And so my brain's identity center received an update on how to handle an unfair attack in the kingdom of God. And so I'm able to imitate that. And I have imitated that. Imitation is a direct driver of transformation. It helped to transform me. And it requires Hesed relationships to be for us to help truly if we want to help other people imitate us, we need to develop those Hesed relationships with them so that they will imitate us. Now, of course, this can go both ways, right? It can be both good and bad. And, and, that's how, and how this works from a brain science perspective is that the right half of the brain is essentially it's nonverbal, okay? It runs and operates by updating reality and responses six times per second. That's how the right brain, it's just fast. It runs like six times per second, updating your reality, updating your responses. And if we tried to use words to run this, we wouldn't even fit one word into one-sixth of a second frame. So what we can see in a sixth of a second is essentially a picture. You know how a picture is worth a thousand words, right? That's how your right brain operates. It's, it's, it's with a thousand words in one picture. And, and these pictures answer the questions of, who am I? Who am I? And how should I act in whatever situation I'm encountering? Who am I? How should I act? What have I seen before? What examples have I seen before in my life for this situation that would tell me how I should act? And I'm drawing those memories and those pictures in my mind of how I should respond. And responding on the fly when we're seeing people. Okay? So we can see other people respond, like, I, like the example I gave you of people that I knew and I loved and seen how they responded in a challenging situation. But we can also um, gain examples just by you know, watching uh, media, watching other movies, um, using our imagination as we read. Those things can form our responses as well when we think about it too. Um, they can develop pictures in our minds. Okay? The thing is that there's really no time to stop in a real-time interaction just to stop and create different options and write down the words and say, well, what should I do? Okay? That's not what happens in our real-time interactions. We imitate what we have seen already. 
and then we behave. Even, even sometimes when we swore, we would never behave like our parents. We do it because that's what we have seen before. And it just comes out. Not even on purpose. Now, I was thinking about this some more. I was actually, uh, I, I thought of this illustration as I was playing the drums this morning, and I surprised Lisa um, about this. So um, I'm gonna ask, I wanted to ask Lisa to come out here and, and help me with this illustration. So Lisa um, helps teach dance, or, well, Amber teaches dance, but Lisa has been around and knows the dance so much, and she does help sometimes teach some of the dances here. You can come on out, Lisa. Um, and, and she's got this book of all the dances that are written, and, and the book has the steps to the dances in it, right? Yes. So in this book, if, if, I, if we played a song, and uh, so we're going to play a song like, what's the song, a good one? So, All-Consuming Fire. Okay. Part A. Mayim. I'm supposed to Mayim. Yes. Left eight. Okay, big arms. Okay. Um, right first, four counts. And then left second, four counts. Okay. Um, right Cherkasia. I don't know what that is. Um, X2. I'm assuming that's times two. Facing left. Arms covering head. And then opening up each Cherkasia. Is that one of, like one of these? Okay. And then Mayim. Now, I'm not, I'm not making fun of her. I'm illustrating the point that I can't do that dance by reading the words. Okay? How do you teach dance? You show me how to do a Mayim. You show me how to do a Turkasia. And then I imitate you. And I do it. And, and, and so on. You're reproducing another dancer in me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll teach Joe after, afterwards. <laughs> it's, that's how our brains work. We, we imitate and we do things by imitation because in real time, there's no time to think about it. We do. We do what we have seen before. Um, how, I don't know if you guys, another example of this, back in the 90s, there was a popular fad among Christians to wear a bracelet that had four letters on it. WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? It's supposed to be a reminder to slow down and think, what would Jesus do in this situation? And I bought in. I wore one as a teen. Um, I wore the bracelet. But unfortunately for us, the brace, for us bracelet wearers, it's too late. Okay? It's too late. Our embedded character has already acted by the time I think WWJD. I've already, I've already acted. I've already done whatever that is, okay? You know, similarly, there is the wearing of tzitzits. Scripture tells us the purpose of wearing, the command of wearing tzitzits, Numbers 15.38, Deuteronomy 22.12, is to remind us of the commands of God. It's a visual reminder of the commands of the Lord. But our brains and our character are faster even than these visual reminders. 
They're faster than it. So, Yeshua's ministry on earth, he brought 12 disciples around him for about three years. Yes, he was teaching them, but he was also showing them. He was demonstrating, walking with them. It was, his whole ministry was an illustration of the importance of imitation. He, was, he is the perfect example of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And he showed his disciples how to handle praise, how to handle in, insults. He showed them how to suffer. He showed them how to bring healing. He showed them, his disciples how to teach, how they should also act under pressure and when they're challenged. So he could show them how to answer questions like, what's our attitude when inconvenient interruptions come across our plans? What's our attitude? How do I react to abandonment? How do I react when people praise me and want to promote me? How do I love people that are hard to love? How do I react when someone challenges me? He gave us many examples, and he exhorted his followers to imitate him. I'm going to go to one of those examples in John chapter 13. If you turn there with me, John chapter 13. I'm going to read 1 through 15 of John chapter 13. Now, it was just before the Feast of Passover, so we're really close to it now because we're getting close to being before Passover. It says, Yeshua knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them until the end. While the Seder meal was happening, the devil had already put in the heart of Judah from Kriot, that's Judas Iscariot, that he should hand over Yeshua. Yeshua knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he gets up from the meal and laying aside his outer garment, takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist and he pours water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel wrapped around him. And he comes to Simon Peter, who says to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? And Yeshua responds, You don't know what I'm doing now, but you will understand these things after. You will understand after these things. And Peter said, You shall never wash my feet. And Yeshua answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Yeshua said to him, He who is bathed had no need to wash except the feet. He is completely clean. And you are all clean, though not every one. He knew who was betraying him for this reason. He said, No, not all of you are clean. So after he had washed their feet and put his robe back on again and reclined again, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly you say, I, for I am. So if I, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. You should do for each other what I have done for you. So after Yeshua washed his disciples' feet, which is a particularly lowly and disgusting task in that day and age, after he did so, he said to them, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Now, we'll notice that Yeshua did, didn't just give them a sermon and a teaching on washing feet, saying, well, you, should, you guys need to go wash each other's feet, you need to wash people's feet. He, he didn't just give them 
that sermon, he bent down and he did it himself. And he washed their feet. He gave them an image in their minds of what it looks like to humble yourself and to wipe away the crusted dirt and fecal matter that was on their feet. It was gross. But he humbled himself to do it because he loved them. And he wanted to teach them how to love other people. So the first thing we learn to imitate is his love. As he later says in the same chapter, a new commandment I give you to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. He says that in verse 34 of John chapter 13. He's saying to his disciples and to the rest of us, he's saying, imitate me, follow me, do what I do. And as one of our other readers read earlier, Saul, Paul, he understood that transformation too, the transformative power of imitation. And he wrote, therefore I urge you to imitate me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. And he reminds the Corinthians later in the same letter, and he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Messiah. And that's an imperative command. That is a do it. When he says follow, he's just not saying, hey, will you come follow my example? He's saying, it's a command. Follow my example. You follow my example. It's, a, it's an imperative in the Greek. It's genoami. The word in Greek is genoami, and it's to become. Okay? It emphasizes that this is not an option. This is a command. Okay, the present tense and the meaning of this verb reminds us that this is a target. This is a point. This is a goal to set our sights on and pursue every single day. So the question is, what are we aiming at? What's our target? Are we aiming at the target and growing in our attachment to Yeshua to become more like him? Is that what we're aiming at? Is that what we're focused our energies and our time on? Are we working on imitating him? Now, that word imitate there is mimetes in the Greek, okay? Mimetes, and that refers to one who mimics. One who mimics one another. It's an active noun. It brings out the concept of an active responsibility. An active responsibility. But we shouldn't let this word mimic fool us. Um, it's not just mimicking, okay? Um, mimetes is from the Greek word mimeomahi. I'm really butchering that one. Mimeomahi. Okay? It means to imitate. It means to emulate. It means to use as a model. Okay? Imitate. Use as a model to follow an example. And the main idea here is to use someone else as a, an ideal model or use someone else as an example. Um, it's, it's not just external conformity, though. It's not just using them as a model of, of what you need to look like on the outside. It's what your, what your model should be on the inside. It's changing from the inside out. That's what it's about. It's being changed inside out by the means of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the application and practice of biblical truth is seen in the lives of mature believers. When we see mature believers acting on and applying biblical truth, that's the example that we are supposed to be following. And we as mature believers are supposed to be providing that example to others around us. You know, another way to think about this imitation, not just being superficial mimicry, is to understand that it involves the process of reproduction. I used that word reproduction when I was talking with Lisa just a few minutes ago about the dance, how she's reproducing 
another dancer that way. Yeshua seeks to reproduce in us his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, his hesed, his joy, all of him himself. He is reproducing in us as we live in him through faith, through the knowledge of his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Messiah likeness that builds in us, the godliness that builds in us, is that is the direct consequence of God's activity in us through His Spirit and through the Spirit that is in other believers. That's what happens to us. When we nurture ourselves that way, when we feed ourselves that way by being around other believers and seeing how other mature believers are acting, God is building that character in us, nurturing that attachment in us, that attachment to Yeshua and to each other, and that causes the flow of Messiah-like character in us that character that forms our instantaneous responses, those responses to the world and to the situations that we can't prepare for any other way. We cannot prepare for this any other way. We have to see it in examples of other believers. So tzitzits, they're fine to wear, okay? They're good. But more importantly, we need to have robust practices of living in the presence of God. We've got to have robust practices of living in the presence of God and in the presence of more mature believers, okay? This is, this is just as any sports team, any military regiment would practice their drills with those who train them. We need to practice. We've got to practice what Yeshua would practice. We've got to meditate on what Yeshua did. We've got to study the playbook, okay? We've got to, we've got to know the drills. We've got to practice what Yeshua did. We need to remember and practice what other Holy Spirit-filled mature believers did when they choose to love with Hesed too. Things that we have seen them do. Okay? We have to practice what that would look like in our lives. Now some of you here might feel a little bit intimidated by being an example to other people. I get it. We don't always want to have people watching us, feel like people are watching us and doing what we would do. Um, the reality is, though, that it's not that hard to be an example for other people, uh, for other believers. It's really pretty simple, and it doesn't have to involve anything formal, okay? Um, this really can just be everyday life. Hey, let's go to the grocery store together. I mean, literally, everyday life. The, that is how you can learn to imitate it's not just reserved for special activities. You know, the new believers in Thessalonica, they saw how Saul, how Paul lived in his daily life among them. He wasn't idle. He told them he worked hard for his own provisions. He didn't eat somebody else's food without paying for it. He didn't want to be a financial burden for them. He saw, and so they saw his maturity. And he explained to them, it's not because he didn't have a right to ask for help from them, but he wanted to offer himself as a model to them. For them to imitate. It says that in 2 Thessalonians 3.9, which we read that earlier. And to another community in, in Philippi, he wrote, Join in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as, you have, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He knew that we, would, that we should behave this way, and he was telling us this is the way it ought to be, that you need to look and see how others are behaving. Okay, and that's how you should behave too, those who are following the behavior pattern that was given to us in Messiah Yeshua. 
the author of Hebrews, he, uh, he exhorts his readers to think of their spiritual leaders, and he says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith in Hebrews 13, 7. As again, as we read that earlier. And that word outcome that he says there in, in Hebrews 13, 7, consider the outcome of their way of life, that's the, the Greek word ekbasin, and, and that means the outcome or the product of something. So in this context, it's, it's talking about uh, the manner of life that a leader has made an example of. So it refers to the manner of lives of the leaders that are centered in the word. Okay, that's what he's talking about. He wants you to say, look at your leaders who, has, who, have, who have just saturated themselves in the word, in the, in the spirit, in their relationship with God, and walk in their faith. Look and see their faith. Look for their Messiah-likeness, their godliness, and you be like them. It's a good tackle there. <laughs> you be like them. Now, of course, this puts the onus on leaders to have a life worth following, which is challenging. Not everyone should desire to be a leader. That's why it says that, too. It's challenging for us as leaders. I was recently challenged by one of our members here in an area of purity and holiness. And it didn't have anything to do with specific sin, um, but it was a tremendous reminder for me and for my own responsibility, and not just for myself, but for my family and for our congregation. So I really appreciated the challenge that was brought to me. And I need to do a better job of not only living in holiness, but also of advocating it with intentionality in our congregation and not just assuming that it will be present. I need to do a better job of that. And I appreciate that kind of a challenge. As a leader, I need to set that right example. Somebody was considering the outcome of my life and my way and said, you know, maybe there needs to be a course correction and I need to humble myself before that and allow that course correction. You know, back in that verse in Hebrews 13, it starts out by saying, consider the outcome. We talked about that word outcome um, in, the, in the Greek. The word consider is anathoreo, and that means to scan or to look closely. When you consider something, it's not just pa passively or casually. It's like really looking at it. The basic root of that word means that you're looking at something intently, um, really trying to arrive at a conclusion. You're really studying it, really carefully, okay? You have intentionality. You have purpose. And to a certain degree, the example of our lives are going to affect the conclusions that others arrive at. Not only about us, but about Yeshua. That's what they, they are looking at our lives. They're studying our lives. And when they study it, what are they going to see in your life? Are they going to see, are they going to come to a conclusion that this life is worth living for Yeshua? About who Yeshua is? Are they going to conclude that, that Yeshua is the Messiah, that he is the one who loves us so much he would give himself for us and that we can lay down our lives for others in the same way? All right? Now, there are problems, too, we face in being examples. There are problems we face in doing that. In, in giving the right character for others to imitate. And one of these problems has to do with, with loudly proclaiming the distinctiveness of our walk in Messiah to other people. 
And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't say that as if it's a bad thing, but it takes a different nuance of faith proclamation for different people. Some people respond to loud proclamation, and other people need a quiet hug. Sometimes people need to be yelled at to wake them up, and some people need to be hugged. And there's a wide range, and we have to learn that nuance of our proclamation and our example to other people's lives. People that need a quiet hug are quickly turned, or, turned away from loud shouting, follow me examples, people yelling, okay? Now, if we are yelling and proclaiming our biblical walk, and pro, then we are, but then we are walking things that are contrary to biblical values, then our lives are not what they should be, right? They don't match up with one another. People aren't going to want to follow us. They become repelled by what we are. When a believer's life is contrary to what they say, it indicates that what we advocate or what we believe in isn't true. It indicates that it doesn't work, that we don't actually believe in it, that we're just following the motions and they can't even figure out why. And, you know, really this is sadly what happens too when, when high-profile spiritual leaders, people that have been elevated to a very high position, when they fall due to unchecked sin. This is what happens. Okay. There's been many examples of this happening uh, in the past several years. Ravi Zacharias, a big one recently in the past year or so, as an example. Um, you know, another problem though we have in imitation is the direction is in that of direction or giving a wrong example too. Um, you know, again, people will follow us. They will they will follow us not in what we say, but in what we do. They're going to follow our priorities. They're going to look at our priorities in our lives. They're going to look at our values in our lives. They're going to look at what we spend our time on. They're going to look at what our attitudes are towards certain things, as well as our actions. We have It's not just our actions, but they're going to look at all of these things and see how they should imitate us, and if they want to imitate us at all. So if our lives are not what they should be, then we become inverted examples of what, what we're supposed to be. We become inverted examples who take people away from the Lord rather than pushing them towards the life that he has called them to. We don't want to do that. So if we teach our kids about the priority of the Lord and of, of his holiness— of loving others and the word and the importance of assembling ourselves together for worship, um, to grow and to minister to others. If we do that, do we then demonstrate the reality of this by following the right priorities ourselves? Or do we find every possibility, every reason to stay home, every excuse to stay home, to avoid the gathering of believers, to avoid helping other people, to just focus in on ourselves? Do we consistently allow our family to engage in pursuits that keep us and our families away from the fellowship of other believers? Do we busy our lives so much that we don't have any time to gather with other believers? It's important that we understand that because this sets a model that says that these pursuits are more important than the Lord. These things are higher. These are more important for me to pursue than the Lord. As, they, as the saying goes, actions speak way louder than words. 
in this case. Actions speak louder than words, significantly. You know, so we need good teaching. And I'm going to close on this. So if somebody wants to go up and get the kids, I don't know if there's anybody in the lobby back there. But uh, we can, some, if I can get one person to go up and get the kids. You know, we need good teaching. Okay? Don't get me wrong. We need good examples, though, too. We need good images in our lives. We need to see what it looks like to live in God's kingdom, what it actually looks like. Not just hear what it looks like. I can't just read a dance step, right, and do, a dan- do that dance. I have to see what it looks like. We need to see what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. And Yeshua gave us both. He gave us both of that, the teaching and the visual. So we make a big mistake when we say, you know, that, that we think that teaching alone is sufficient. Again, I'm, I'm going to continue to harp on this. Our character is formed not just by teaching. Our character is formed by imitation with whom we are attached. Okay? That's how our character is formed. So being a godly example for us, it's not an option. It is a requirement for us in this room. We have got to be a godly example. It's commanded in Scripture. So we, we saw a lot of Scriptures today. We read a lot of them today. Um, and, uh, and we need to remember, too, that our Hesed relationships with one another, those Hesed relationships, that's where that example is going to flow. If you're not spending time building those Hesed relationships, those deep, connecting, abiding, vine-attached relationships, you're not going to allow the, your mature character to pass on to a less mature person. And, you, and we are all at different stages in our life where we are also the less mature person connected to a more mature person in our lives. I am the same way, okay? The reality is, though, there's no, if there is no Hesed connection, there will be no fruit because that attachment will not be there. That development will not be here. Okay, so here, here at Remnant, and in every congregation, really, but here at Remnant, we need biblical maturity that provides people with real, honest-to-God examples of authentic, Messiah-like living, okay? We, we can't get stuck in any pattern of ministry that thinks that, you know, somebody, we just need somebody with a da- dynamic personality, a really good speaker, a really good musician, talented gifts and training, and enthusiasm and charisma. You know, those are fine. They're good, and God uses people that way, right? But much more is needed. We have to have an example in the Bible of character formation, spiritual character formation in Messiah Yeshua. That's what we need. That other stuff, that'll work itself out, okay? That will work itself out. The, the dynamic personalities, the talents and giftings, those will work themselves out. But we have to start with the foundation of our character in Messiah Yeshua. Now, if that scares you, and you're like, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I can be committed to that. We just need to be reminded that we don't have to start out perfect either, Okay? I mean, seriously, how would you like to start out a worldwide campaign with Peter? Right? I mean, this dude was brash. He was making mistakes all the time. He had just denied Yeshua like a couple weeks before. Right? Like completely denied the guy. Completely. And he's starting out this worldwide campaign. Yet... Peter, the other disciples, yeah, they were common. They were uneducated men. They were average people. And he launched his campaign 
Yeshua did with them. It turned the world upside down. Now, was it because they had some unique imaginative methodology that there was some formula there? I would say no. There was not some specific formula. It was because these common men knew the Lord and they experienced life with him. They knew his life, his examples, his qualities of godliness. Okay, These were common men that Yeshua took and he made them into great men. He made them into great men who, who became spiritual leaders because they were experiencing him through the power of the Spirit of God. They were, people, they were just like us. Those disciples were people just like us. Those, their secret wasn't charisma, okay? They, weren't, they didn't have some secret oratory power. They, that wasn't their secret. Their secret was they spent time with the Lord and with one another. They spent time with the Lord and one another. That's their secret. And they passed that on. What he imparted to them. They passed on what he imparted to them while he was with them physically and, when, and through the Spirit. Whenever they say, we're passing on what he gave to us, just as the Lord Yeshua gave to us, they're passing on what he imparted to them. So this is something, and this is the encouragement, this is something that every one of us can have. There's not a secret here. When we spend time with the Lord and with his people, he's going to transform us into that character worth imitating. But we can't cheat our way there. Okay? We can't cheat our way there with sticking just to a live stream services and things like that. We've got to be together. We've got to be in person. We've got to be present with one another. It takes real time with real people having real relationships. That's what we need. Yeah, it's risky. It is risky, but it's worth it. It is, it is ultimately worth it because that is what the kingdom of God is. That's what builds the kingdom of God. It's those relationships and those times, that Hesed relationship. So that's my encouragement. Take the time. We can't, there is no shortcuts. There is no cheats here. There's no cheat code if you're a video gamer, Okay. You're a gamer. There's no cheat code on your way here. Okay? It's going to take time. Let's build relationships together. Make your life worth imitating. And look to the godly leaders around you and imitate them. Okay? Imitate them. Imitation is the key. That's where we're going to build our character. And that's what I want to wrap up on today.